G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, we often talk about how the environment is changing in attitudes towards the church and how Christian faith has come under pressure from opponents. Just think of the latest examples like rugby star Israel Folau and the storm of controversy over his response to whether homosexuals go to hell. Well, when your own position or the pastor in your church or the leaders in your church or in the school that you are a part of are under siege from a probing and sometimes hostile media, how do you respond? Well, all the furor over the clash of Christian faith and political correctness illustrates what's happening with a renewed battle over the freedom of religious beliefs. Our special guest today deals with many faith-based organisations and churches across Australia and internationally, and he says Christian leaders are very concerned about the social activism, even including major companies and the wider ramifications that this may have. Let's make a special welcome to our guest for this coming hour, Lyle Mercer, who is the Managing Director of Mercer PR. Lyle, welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. Lyle, we've had some shorter conversations just of recent times, and uh, I said to you when we had those shorter conversations, let's take an opportunity sometime soon and open the talkback line so that listeners can participate in a conversation here because the ramifications of what's happening with this changing climate are very significant. You've got some thoughts on just how significant things are changing in the the environment, the climate that we're in. Oh, I think I think listeners will enjoy it because um, if you look at the reaction on social media when these things happen, there's so much reaction on both sides. Uh, so people are very engaged with this conversation. And it started, well, it started a long time ago, but I think the same-sex marriage debate has brought this completely out of the open a lot more than it used to be. Uh, of course, that was a very uh, emotive debate. Um, and what's happening now is that, if you remember during that debate, there was a lot of criticism of the No campaign by because they implied that it was more than just about marriage. And of course, the Yes campaign came out and said, no, it's it's not. It's just you, you, you're creating uh, barriers there. You're making it bigger than what it is. It's just about marriage. And then the vote passed. And of course, what do we have now? We have a whole new different environment where anytime someone says something or believes something, then they're shot down uh, and for their beliefs. And the other side of things is I think a lot of things have changed. So I think Christian organizations and those who are advocating, I guess, against same-sex marriage at the time feel a little duped because they took the others at their word, but now it's a lot, it's a lot broader. So I think they're, 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 you know, people are concerned. Well, of course, we are now still in that waiting period. Uh, we've just started May. 18th of May now is the time when the Freedom Review yep. uh, will offer some recommendations. First of all, they'll go to the Prime Minister. They might be out public then and we'll be able to talk about what that means. But freedoms are under pressure. 
But when we talk about getting shot down, now I love your terminology, the way you describe that, because all Christians, when we get into a discussion, whether it's around the water cooler in our work, it might be the family dinner table, uh, we almost relish the conversations in which there is sometimes an alternative, and we, we're used to the idea of getting shot down. But when someone's got a, a legal proceeding that might follow getting shot down, then we start to get a little bit worried about that and we start to moderate the way we talk. Have you noticed this is the way that uh, Christians and churches and schools have, have begun to react to this? Oh, totally. I mean, you look at, remember the, I can't remember the details, but in Tasmania a little while back, uh, I think the Catholic, uh, one of the Catholic leaders was uh, was threatened with court That's action. That's Archbishop court, wasn't Julian he? Porteous, that was. Or, and, and then, of course, you know, we had the, even things that are not to do with Christianity, we had the uh, the issue with the QUT students. Um, people overall are becoming very sensitive in what they say. And if you look at the way churches would teach and preach 10, 15, 20 years ago compared to how they do now, it's very, very different. Now, some of those things are a good thing, I think, too. I mean, I, I, I believe that churches years ago used to be quite offensive in some of their and they didn't really show a lot of compassion in what they preached, particularly about some issues, issues of sexuality and things like that, which are now very hot-button issues. I think years ago they did preach those things without any sense of feeling of how people reacted to that. Now, some would say that's fine because, you know, you've got, you've got such a wide viewpoint, haven't you, across the church. I mean, you've got people that just want to preach fire and brimstone, you know, all day, and uh, that's, they believe that's the right way to go. But, you know, in this world we live in, we do have something called freedom of religious belief. So if that's what they want to do, I guess they're allowed to do it. Um, but churches, I think, have very much curtailed the way they, they talk, the way they preach. Um, and while some of that is a good thing, the situation we find ourselves in is that if they say – they're so cautious of what they say because they're afraid – of being publicly, uh, you know, publicly criticised. You're raising a very important point here that when you've got a situation where you're feeling as though uh, the media and everyone may be against you and wanting to clamp down, uh, there may be an upside and a positive that says, well, we can't just speak out and uh, criticise and lampoon everyone because perhaps we need to make sure that what we are saying is true, is correct, has a foundation, is based in what we would call Christian truth in the first place and not just our offering our own opinion, our own biases, our own prejudices coming in here. This is what you're sort of saying, that there's an upside in all of this. I, I, of course there is. Um, and, of course, remember when you talk about truth, if you had 10 theologians in a room and you asked them to to give you their truth on, on, on a certain topic, you may well get six, seven, or even 10 different perspectives. So we all come from our own perspective, don't we? And I think over the years, people have said things in a way, and particularly Christians in some ways, have said things that are very offensive to those who are struggling with other issues. And we have to remember that that part of the Christian faith is compassion. And if you look at I guess, at the Bible, and you look at the way uh, Jesus spoke, uh, he didn't really go around speaking, preaching fire and brimstone. There was a lot of compassion. There was a lot of compassion for people that had other perspectives and other viewpoints. I think the church has struggled with that over the years. So that is a very good thing. Even, I think, individuals. We should all be concerned about what other people think. 
Now, in this era of social media, it just magnifies everything. So in the past, if I said to you, oh, Neil, this is what I believe about this, you'd go, okay, that's interesting. If I was in a small group of friends of six or seven people, we could have that conversation and no one's really going to get offended. We'll have a debate about it. Now you put it on, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any other platform and I'm not just talking to you or six or seven other people. I'm potentially speaking to thousands or even millions of people depending on how far that post gets shared. So that's what's changed everything. And of course, unlike in the past where I could be having a conversation with you and we could have different opinions on politics, on religion, on, you know, they, they say, what are they, what's the old saying? Don't, don't bring up politics and religion. That's it. Um, they're the two controversial ones, but there's others as well as that, social issues. We could be, we could have a good back and forth. I'd understand where you're coming from. You're understanding where I'm coming from. Social media changes that. I'm not understanding you. If you post something, I look at that. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your heart is. I don't know where you're coming from. All I see is a post. And I will get outraged because that's what you do on social media. You get outraged. We're in, a, we're in the age of social media outrage where it's a profession almost. There's people, it's a ridiculous scenario. It's, it's like the Wild West of communication. It doesn't matter what people say, uh, someone will get upset about it. And I think that's magnified the entire issue because no longer are our views understood. They're just read and they're commented on. Well, you're raising some very significant points here, and what brings it home to every single one of us listening into a conversation like this today is that while we're talking about how the leaders might respond when they're under siege from the media, uh, what you've just brought into uh, the reality in our conversation is that we are all under scrutiny for every post that we might make on social media, whether that's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, uh, whether what we say. Uh, and, and, of course, at the present time, you are able to get away with a lot of things and you might cause a furor, uh, but there are, in fact, times when there are legal proceedings that are being brought against people because of their social media posts, and that perhaps is something that might be coming more and more into the future as well. Well, people mistakenly think that they can say anything on social media about anyone and it's okay, but it's not. The same defamation laws apply to social media that apply anywhere else in, in communication um, or in society. So I can't write on social media an allegation about Neil because if I do that, you can sue me for defamation. But I can make a comment about anything as long as I'm not defaming someone no one's going to care. I mean, Twitter and Facebook aren't going to pull the comment down. They let all sorts of things up. Um, and so that will cause that will cause the furor. Um, so people have to be very careful of what they put on social media because social media has destroyed lives. It's destroyed lives. It's made people stars for the wrong reasons. Uh, there's, there's many people over the years who, have, who are anonymous people, ordinary people, who have put something on there and suddenly it's gone, it's gone viral and these people have... have left their jobs, they've been sacked. Uh, there was a, uh, it was a while ago now, there was a, an unknown public relations consultant, believe it or not, right. um, and uh, who clearly didn't understand the, some of the foundations of public relations. And she, was, um, she jumped on a plane in uh, London and she was on her way to South Africa and she wrote a comment. Uh, it was a, deemed to be a racist comment. And remember, racism is one of those other hot-button mm -hmm. issues yep. now. Um, deemed to be a racist comment. 
And uh, by the time she got to South Africa, and she was in the air, so she was out of contact, but there was an it blew up. It blew up, her comment between there. By the time she got to South Africa and touched down, she'd lost her job. Um, and uh, this is the, you know, I was reading last night a girl in America who wore a Chinese uh, dress to prom. And, uh, and those, you know, in Australia who understand prom is like the school formal. It's very big in America. I lived there for a number of years and I, I know what a big, uh, a big deal it is to students. But she wore a Chinese dress, and someone someone wrote there, "How dare you make fun of of my race?" Because this Chinese dress had some sort of history. Now, all she did was wear a nice dress. I mean, she liked the dress. She bought it from somewhere. It wasn't that expensive, and she loved it. But it's created now a a drama for her, and there's thousands of posts about it. And and uh, this is the crazy world that we live in. So, you know, whatever it is, whether it's racism, whether it's religion, whether it's faith. We do have to be careful, but it is absurd. We've got to admit that. I mean, it's it's absurd that these days, whatever you do, uh, you know, it'll it'll be magnified on social media. But we we can't get out of that. We live in this society now. That's where we're at. We've 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 landed here, so we have to know how to deal with it, how to cope with it, and not become a victim of it. So this is where a PR professional uh, is able to jump in and say, let's exercise a little bit of wisdom here in the way that we respond. And I mentioned whether it's your pastor or priest or church leader, could be a church leader's second tier, third tier level down. It could be the people who are the leaders of the local school that you're a part of. These are the people who are now in the firing line because when the media turns up and they've got a microphone and a camera and it's on the leader, they're under real pressure in that moment, aren't they? Yeah, look, don't think, don't think that your organization that you work for will be out of the, you know, will be out of trouble if, if you're saying something. Even if you don't represent them, people will link it back. If you remember during the same sex marriage debate, uh, there were people who were advocating, uh, for the no campaign who they were lobbied to, uh, I think they're on the boards of different universities, they were lobbied to, for, to leave those posts just because of their personal beliefs. So now your personal belief has the potential to get you fired from somewhere, which when you think about that, it's quite absurd, isn't it? But unfortunately, it's only certain personal beliefs because other personal beliefs are quite okay to have. But if you, if you want to put something on social media and you're a teacher, don't think that that won't have ramifications to your school. In fact, employers these days, we advise all employers to have very strict social media policies. And, uh, and part of that, one of those, you know, part of that policy is that no one, none of their staff, no employees should post anything on the social media that might bring, uh, some, some, you know, uh, uh, criticism to the organization. Or might re- might misrepresent the views of the organisation, or cause any distress to them. And of course, as you say, there are almost professional people who are out to antagonise, uh, and they want to, uh, in fact, engage with people who are saying things that might not be in line with their political correctness. And you will find yourself in this, in the middle of this sort of furor. 
uh, is there room for people who are on the other side who say, well, I'm a Christian, I have a standard of truth that I ought to actually engage also almost in the same level, become that sort of social media warrior, but uh, a warrior for Christian righteousness. Is there a battle there that ought to be fought? What are your thoughts on uh, on, on engaging in the way that, that these sorts of things are happening rather than just retreating from them? Well, there's plenty of people who, who have those viewpoints, who have very deep Christian faith viewpoints who are on social media, who are fighting these fights. But in the end, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the mainstream viewpoint on social media. Now, they can go and do what, you know, people can say what they want. There's lots of debates. And I guess the one positive, if you can think of a social media, is that there, it does, it does uh, build an environment where people can talk. You know, that's not necessarily always good. Uh, but these days, there's a lot more people have a say, I guess. You know, years ago, what did you do if you had a complaint? You wrote a letter or you sent an email in later times. Well, now you just go onto social media and all of a sudden the company has to respond because a lot of other people see it. So uh, it's, it's changed the way we – social media has changed the way we react. We have a voice now. So if you're not happy with something, you say it. If you are happy with something, you say it. If you critis- want to criticize something, you can say it and you know that the few thousand people that follow you will at least see it or some of them will at least. So in terms of, of um, the way we interact on social media, I think we do have to be very, very careful. School, church or retreat. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. What happens when you are under such pressure that the media turns up with a camera and a microphone and they're putting you under pressure because you've made a comment that stands for your Christian faith but it flies in the face of political correctness? Well, one of the best examples of that of recent times, of course, has to be rugby star Israel Folau. Uh, Lyle Mercer from uh, Mercer PR is our guest. Lyle, this has been one of the the big, uh, almost, uh, I know you're thinking of it as a turning point. Uh, it may be something that has just going to unleash uh, venom uh, from people if you have a Christian position. What are your thoughts on what's happened with Israel Folau? Oh, look, everyone's got a thought on Israel, haven't they? I mean, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a huge story. And uh, people forget something. He was asked a question. He didn't go onto social media to say what he said. He was asked a question and he answered it. Look, I personally think he was a little unwise in what he said. I think it was uh, unnecessary to, to, to say what he said. Um, and undoubtedly, it would have been offensive to many people. But that said, uh, I the bigger picture here, and I know for a fact that many Christians, many churches, many Christian organizations, ministries are concerned about the, the backlash. The big issue here is not what he said and, and people criticizing it. It's corporate Australia who have come in and said, we don't like what you said, therefore we are going to threaten to withdraw sponsorship. Now, Qantas did it, which when you think about the hypocrisy there, I mean, look, I travel Qantas. It's, 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 a, it's a great airline. I mean, I travel all the time. But, but when you think about the fact that Qantas have said to Israel Folau, you're not allowed to have that opinion about a topic, which is uh, the, the topic was homosexuality, yet – we as, as an airline partner with Emirates, which is owned by the government of Dubai, uh, and we're willing to partner and, and, and accept the, you know, that side of things, but we won't accept what you say. The hypocrisy there has been brought out in the media, and I won't go over it, but I mean, it's quite, it's quite startling, isn't it, when you think about it? But what, what the, the big picture here is, if corporations who are becoming much more active 
in that social space can say what an employee can or can't say publicly on social media, where does that stop? Where does that stop? I mean, is he not allowed to have that viewpoint? Who says he's not allowed to have that viewpoint? What does that mean for other organisations? What does that mean for a church? Are they allowed to, to preach that anymore from the pulpit? Uh, is a school who might have a Christian belief, will, they, will, will someone come in and say, look, we're not going to fund you in this area? It opens up an, um, a huge area of controversy, and it all comes back to the right of a person or an organization to have a belief based on faith, and of course the right of a company to say, we will only support you if you agree what we, we believe, if you believe what we believe, if you agree with us. It's a crazy, crazy scenario and one that I know churches and organisations are very concerned about, and I think they should be as well. Uh, there is lots to talk about. We'll continue our conversation about Israel Folau in just a few moments, but uh, Lyle, let's take a call, a uh, listener who's been waiting very patiently with some of the uh, the upsets that we've had in the conversation in just uh, recent times. Robin is in Campbelltown in New South Wales. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Thanks for waiting. Oh, good, good. I'm not talking about Israel, although I'm for Israel. I wanted to talk about the same sex or transgender. Look, I saw on Compass on Sunday morning this woman that was, or I mean transgender, that was being interviewed by Geraldine Doog, and she said, or he said, that he had been a man. Uh, he'd, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. He had been a woman. But this person... You would never, ever, ever, ever think that about uh, what he was because he looked so much like a man. He had all the, um, uh, you know, all the manifestations of being a man. He had a yep. very... Robin, need head. to get to the point. What, are you, what really, are you trying to say? I'm, sorry? What are you saying here? Well, I'm saying that... I'm a bit puzzled, really. I suppose I'm a bit confused. I do not believe in homosexuality at all, by any means, and I believe it should be, um, uh, you know, rebuked. But at the same time, I don't know what he. I don't know whether he was a Christian or what. What he was at all. Robin, it all gets very confusing. He looks so. And interestingly, Robin, I'll just uh, take a moment here. This is where part of the controversy truly lies, in that as Christian believers, going right back to Genesis chapter one, we appreciate that God made man and woman in His image and likeness. And for Christian believers, there'll always be a differentiation. Either you're a man or a woman, and that won't change. Now, uh, there's all sorts of scientific ways uh, that we can actually prove that. The science is on the side of the Christians here. But when we start to get into some ideal, uh, ideological approaches and some social science that uh, someone will offer as an alternative, then all of a sudden, for others, it becomes uh, a, a viable Thing, Of course, uh, this whole issue of gender fluidity, of course, this is rife. Let's bring our guest into uh, this conversation as Robin is sharing her heart here. Uh, what are you thinking of Lyle Mercer, a PR expert? Uh, you know, when we're Christians, we're going to stand for biblical truth and it's going to bring us into conflict. Uh, what do we do about all of this? Well, I was thinking as Robin was sharing, obviously, she has a viewpoint. Other people will agree and other people will disagree. 
Uh, the, the question at the moment is, is she allowed to have that viewpoint? And where we're heading is, I think, a, a battle for the, the freedom of religious beliefs. Is someone allowed to believe those things? And if they are, are they allowed to share those beliefs? If they share it, what are the ramifications? So in other words, a lot of people are saying with the Israel issue, sure, he's allowed to have them. But he also has to understand that when he has them, um, then there's ramifications to that. And look, there's some, there's some truth in that. In other words, he was representing Australian rugby. Whether he likes it or not, he represents Australian rugby. So Australian rugby and any employer is well, in their, uh, it's well within their rights to be able to restrict what their employees say on social media and whether that has adverse effects for the organisation. They're well within that right. So then, of course, you've also got his personal rights as a believer, as someone of a faith. Can he share those? And, and what forum can he share those within? And that's the debate we're having. And that's the difficult debate because there are actually pros and cons on both sides of that. And there's an interesting and I think important issue here, the idea that where there is a aggressive, hostile media and with an identity like Israel Folau, who's a known Christian, and, and as Christians we are often predictable in the way that we will approach topics like this, uh, there is this whole idea of entrapment. Uh, where the media wants to entrap you uh, because it'll make a great headline, no matter what that does to your own character. It's like a character assassination, but uh, you get to assassinate your own character if you stand for truth. This is an, an issue, isn't it? Because when we talk about a hostile, aggressive media, uh, they are out to entrap Christian people who are identities at this time. Oh, look, the media wants a story. The media wants a story, and so they'll look for a story anywhere. Now, whoever asked him that question knew full well that he was baiting him. But that's what people do. And the media love that. In fact, there's so many. There was a, and I don't remember the, um, the, the I'm talking vaguely here, but there was a couple in America a few years ago, and they have this, there are a couple of faith, faith couple, and they run this, I think, home improvements type of TV show. So, some of your listeners will know who I'm talking about. Very, very big in America. And uh, they were asked a question, um, do you agree with what your pastor has said about this issue. Now, all they said was, well, we're not going to talk about that, basically. Um, and they were criticised for believing what their pastor had said, not what they've said. And it was, it was quite outrageous. Now, so that's, that's, what we're, that's the era we're living in. But let me throw this at you, Neil, a little bit of alternative here. Um, would, a, would a church, um, would they allow one of their staff to go on social media and start saying things that directly conflict with what they believe. Now, as someone who deals with churches and who deals with writing media policies for churches and social media policies for churches, I would ensure that a social media policy for an organization had that their employees would not allowed to say something on social media that would bring, uh, cause dis bring them into disrepute. Um, so if a church employee is not allowed to say that, then, of course, should Israel, representing Australian rugby, should he be allowed? Now, it's a, it's a grey area because he's also himself, and he's not actually an employee, I guess. I'm not sure about the arrangement, but I, don't, I would imagine he's not an employee. Um, and also, I don't think that 
you could imply that a sports person represents the code or represents the sport, but you can say that employee represents their employer. So it's a very it's a very interesting situation. Um, the question I think we've got to ask is at what what point is is a company or a sponsor allowed to dictate um, what they you know the beliefs of the people they will sponsor and support? I think we're heading into a battleground. Basically, I really do. Um, I don't think it's going to be a you know I'm not talking about battleground where, where people with knives and guns, but I, I, I do believe that churches and organisations are very concerned about the wider ramifications of this. I believe that the the way that society, the social issues are going, we've changed what we're allowed to believe, what we're not allowed to believe. And I, I do think that we're heading into a battle. Thank you so much to Robin for your input today. And uh, the phone's running hot. Let's take some calls and we'll try and get through these quickly. Uh, let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Good day, Neil. Yeah, I think it's just totally an attack on God's word. Because if you look at Israel Folau's statement, it was basically all of God's word. And that's what they're attacking. They're not attacking Christians. They're totally attacking God's word. They will never uh, attack another faith, like a Muslim or uh, Hindu or Buddhist. They won't attack their faith. Um, and also Israel Folau. I think every Christian's comeback should be this. You know, they they attack you in the sense that you're doing hate speech. Well, Israel Folau said uh, all he wants, you know, for them to do is repent so that they can be with him in heaven forever. I mean, he wants them to be with him in heaven forever. How can that be hate? You know, no Christian can hate if they want you to be with, you know, in, in heaven. Chris, good thoughts there. No matter what you say as a Christian when you're standing for some biblical truth here, you might be actually speaking in love, but it'll be interpreted as hate. Uh, in, the way these impressions, uh, the way that uh, people perceive things, this is where uh, PR is necessary because you want the perception to be right. Lyle Mercer, your thoughts for Chris? Yeah, I, I think it was a good point. Um, what we've got to remember about Israel's comments, he actually didn't say anything that was controversial within the church in fact, the doctrine of salvation and heaven and hell is a foundation doctrine of Christianity. Um, so my question is, if a church leader was asked the same question, would he, have he or she have responded the same way? I've, I've noticed that churches themselves have been reasonably silent around the Israel Folau issue. And I believe that's because they think, what can we say? Because what he actually said was nothing too remarkable. What he said was just what a lot of Christians would believe. Was it unwise? I think so, but he said it, and I don't think too many Christians would necessarily, you know, a lot of Christians, some would disagree, of course, because everyone has different opinions, but there'd be a lot who wouldn't. So I think that, you know, we've got to keep in mind here that his comments were nothing too remarkable in terms of what a lot of churches preach. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria for your call. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join our talkback conversation today. Let's take a call, an anonymous caller from Western Australia. Hello, welcome along. Yeah, hi, how are you going? Very well, um, what are your thoughts? Well, Okay, welcome to the end times. Now listen to this. I know a child who's four years old. The parents, the father is a pastor. Okay, now they go to a school... Now, there's two lesbian women that no doubt have either had IVF or adopted a child, okay? Now, they've named this child Frankie, okay? Now, Frankie is a girl's name, right? Now, he is a boy. He's around the same age, four years old, 
Okay, now what's happened is the teacher said, boys on the left, girls on the right, make lines, please. And then Frankie lined up with the other four-year-old children on the girls' sides of children. And the, child, and, and the kid said, Frankie, you don't belong here. You need to go over where the boys are. And the teacher said, no, she, he can do what line he ever wants. What you're describing is where all of the controversies in the coming years may well be. And a lot of this stuff will happen in schools. This is why as we talk about schools and the controversies uh, that may be around your school principal or the school spokesperson when there is an issue of controversy like this. Uh, Lyle Mercer, uh, from the public relations perspective, uh, schools are right in the middle of it. They're like the meat in the sandwich for this sort of thing, aren't they? Yeah, look, and there's a difference between a, a government school and a uh, and a Christian or faith based school as well. And uh, I, you know, faith based schools will have, or certainly still have, the right to be able to, um, you know, create boundaries around what they do according to their faith. Where, I, but I think a lot of schools are concerned because schools are still government funded, even private schools, uh, to a point. There's a concern from them is how far they will be allowed to go in the future. And I, I do believe that schools are looking at issues like Israel Folau and they're looking at corporate funding and they're saying, well, will this translate to government funding? And if you asked a lot of some politicians, they'd probably say, look, if a school's not willing to um, to you know open their doors and, and be non-discriminatory, then they shouldn't receive any government funding. The alternative is the schools are saying, well, we're not being non-discriminatory, we're simply uh, sticking to our faith values. So that is definitely the question that will be asked, and that's that's some of the battlefront, I think, what we, we'll see over the next few years. Thank you to that caller from WA. It does seem to be that this funding issue, whether it's corporate funding, sponsors, uh, whether it's sport we're talking about there, or uh, when it comes to the push that will be on uh, for government funding if there are people who don't subscribe to the politically correct cultural Marxist ideal here, uh, that there'll be this battle that's going ahead. Uh, of course, we have to be able to handle ourselves in the battle. And this is where some professional advice, perhaps when we're making statements, comments, putting out press releases, uh, fronting the media, uh, those local opportunities that happen in country towns, of people being asked on the local radio station or the local TV channel. These are the areas here where we need some particular support. Uh, this is the sort of thing that you're offering, Lyle. Well, there's two levels here. We deal with organisations and companies and uh, and you know churches and any anyone like that. So that, that's a whole different level to the personal level. Um, but it's interesting you said that. You, you mentioned that there could be something on a, on a small country radio station. But you know, as you well know, Neil, from yourself and uh, from the interview with Margaret Court that you had a little while back, which, uh, was, which went global, I read about your interview. You were named in, in some U- UK publications. Went, it was everywhere, I can tell you. <laughs> That's I right. was checking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, you could say something on a radio station in, in Kalgoorlie and you could end up on CNN. So we live in a different era. We live in an era of global of global media, of digital media. So don't think that something you might say in, in rural Australia is going to stay there. And uh, that's where churches, schools, organisations have to be careful. 
um, they've got to understand that they that there are ramifications to what they say, uh, and that includes employees of those. Now Israel obviously was prepared for those. He would have known. He would. I mean, he's not a he's not a, a dumb person. He's a smart person. He would have known full well that what he said would have caused controversy. Um, now that's between him. I've got no comment particularly on on that. That's between him and him and Australian rugby. What happens there? But he would have known. Um, but I think that it's it's there's two levels here. One is the corporate level, which is what we deal with. We help organisations, you know, get through this minefield. But then there's the individual level, which a lot of your listeners would be uh, obviously in that category, where my advice to them would be just just be careful what you say and be aware that if you say something in the public domain, there will be ramifications. Now, you can still go ahead and say it. That's your right to say it. But just know that if you say it, don't be surprised if there's um, some sort of pushback. So what I can hear you communicating here is it's not that you shouldn't say something, but that you should know what you're saying and how you're saying it. And when you do say it, it may actually have a tremendous effect, but there may be some negative ramifications. Absolutely. That's right. And also, I think it's, it's, we all come from our own perspective, don't we? We don't sometimes think of the effect it might have on the other person. Now, you could argue that we've gone far too far in terms of, of people being upset and outraged about everything. And, and, and look, we have. Let's be honest. I think everyone, most people would agree that the level of outrage we see about little trivial issues these days is just out of control. I think most people would, would think that. But that's the world we live in. So just because you think it's wrong doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So it is what it is. We're, we're at a point in society where that's the, that's the fact. That will happen. So don't uh, you can't be naive about it. Also, though, I do think that everyone should be aware of the emotional effect words have on other people. And so it is, there is a point where we go, we might believe that, but is there a way we can say it without directly offending someone? Uh, you know, because not only does that protect us, but it also protects other people. I think we do have a duty, have an obligation to you know, live our life without trying to intentionally offend people. Remember this, that bullying, cyberbullying these days has led to many suicides, um, it's it's a shocking it's a shocking thing, and it it happens all over the world. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware that what we post on social media has ramifications. And even if we believe we're standing up for what we believe, uh, you know, standing up for for our our religious beliefs, the fact is that if someone reads that and they, you know, do something that that uh, I mean, people have self harmed, all sorts of things, that has quite these days the consequences are magnified. And just like the, uh, our, our words are magnified on social media, the consequences are also magnified. So I think all those things we have to consider. Wisdom is always going to be so necessary. Time for one more call. Hello, Jim in Kyabram. Hello, Jim. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I always like these conversations because they make me go back to the Word of God. And um, I've been in Revelations you know, where it says, the one who overcomes will inherit these things and... I shall be God to him, and he will be a son to me. But the cowardly, those of little faith, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the lies, their part is in the lake that burns um, and, and sulfur. What's it say? 
that like that burns and sulphur doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. But uh, some some versions even say that the lewd won't make it in. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you realise that there's so much about us having to confront our own self, you know, like it says, search my heart, oh God, see if there's any wicked way within me and lead me in, in the way everlasting. That, that if we spend enough time just getting ourselves right, just getting lewdness out of our life, you know, coming up out of the sewer work of what the, gu- the world's thrown at us, the garbage the world's thrown at us, you know, we've got enough things to concern ourselves because it doesn't even mention the homosexual there in that particular passage. And in 22 as well, it goes on and talks more about the uh, lewdness rather than the cowardly or whatever that. We have so much to work on in our own life to get ourselves right because there's people you meet in the church and, and then once they're outside of the church, you don't know what they're going to say to you. Yeah. And you think, oh, God, I wasn't expecting that from him. You know, like he told me he's preached with Reinhard Bonnke <laughs> and now he's saying stuff to these women who I, just, that I wouldn't repeat. Jim, good thoughts in all of that and really reflects something so important uh, that as a Christian you can't come to the way you say things with arrogance because, as you say, when you include everyone, uh, even the lewd, and uh, we might all have found ourselves in that category at one point or other, but this idea, and this would be reflective too of Israel Folau and basically saying uh, he's a sinner like everyone else. We're all sinners we're all destined for hell, uh, but it's those who've responded to Jesus Christ and by his grace alone that we're saved. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for your thoughts there. And uh, it does reinforce what we're saying today, uh, that uh, we need to be cautious. I love that saying, what we are is one uh, sinner, one uh, you know, uh, sinner uh, showing another sinner how to find uh, salvation. We're all in the same boat together. Uh, a few final thoughts about about how people can approach these things from you, Lyle. Neil, I, th- I think that what Jim said there was actually quite profound because if you want to bring one word to describe social media, it's hypocrisy because the very people that are outraged about what someone else is saying and doing are doing things themselves, which is exactly the same. And the ultimate example of that is uh, those who who say, well, you can't say that, you can't believe that, but they're the people that want to preach tolerance. They're the inclusive people. But what they're really saying is, we want to include everyone except you. Um, And it it, it continues to uh, amaze me how the people that are the biggest uh, advocates of inclusiveness and tolerance are the ones that will tell someone that you're not allowed to say that, even though that person is speaking out of their own convictions. But you can't say that because even though we preach tolerance and inclusiveness, uh, it doesn't include you. And that's, I think, is the is the biggest challenge we have with social media, is that if those people who are, are criticising others actually looked at themselves, uh, then there'd be plenty of things that, that they could talk about as well. So I think that, you know, it is what it is. We have to understand that, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say what's right or wrong. What I'm really, uh, my message to people is that we this is the era we're in. So accept it. We, we You know, we don't have to agree with it, but it is what, you know, where we live. Um, Organisations have to be careful. People need to be aware of the ramifications of what they say. doesn't mean they can't say it. Uh, but be aware that if you say it, you've got to be able to stand on it. So I think that, it's look, it's a great conversation, and I don't believe it's a conversation people have enough. I, I think that in this era of political correctness, we're almost not allowed to even have this conversation, mm. which is the craziness about this whole thing. Right. 
Well, our time has run out. Uh, thank you so much to Jim from Kyabram for your input today. Uh, let me just point people to a way you can be in touch with Lyle Mercer, uh, Managing Director of Mercer PR, and a couple of websites to mention, mercerpr.com, and also another website called crisiscommunications.com.au. So mercerpr.com or crisiscommunications.com.au. Lyle, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to share some of your wisdom with us today. Uh, we are in a battle and uh, it's only going to get hotter. And so uh, we may be talking to you again before too long if we're wondering about how we handle some of the circumstances and the situations we find ourselves in as Christians, as leaders in churches, as people who are simply on social media or people who are part of a school and something happens in our school. We may need your advice some more. So thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.